Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, we're going to look at verses 25 through 31. I know you're just getting settled in, but it's the Bible, right? Let's stand up. Let's read it together here. Starting with verse 25. It says, And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore I testify you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. Father, thanks for your word. And we trust you. You've never failed us. And so we want to give ourselves to you now. And to your word, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us through it. Make yourself known to us and help us, Father, to be obedient children. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, go ahead and have a seat. It starts off in in this section, um, which again is is this conversation that that Paul is having with the elders from Ephesus, okay? Um, This is the third sermon that we've had from this this context and so uh, he's still encouraging and challenging the elders from Ephesus and he says to them I n- now I um, behold I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again now we know from from verse 31 which we're going to look at in a little bit but we know from verse 31 that Paul has poured into these guys for how long how long three years Three years. Now imagine that kind of a relationship. And, and Paul says, I didn't hold back. I didn't restrain. For three years, I poured into you. And now he's saying, I know that we're not going to see each other again. This is it. This is the last time we're going to see each other face to face. Imagine that's got to be a tough time for Paul, right? He's given his life to these disciples. And now they've grown in, into elders of the church. He's given his life to them. He's given his his tears, his heart, his effort to these guys. And now he's saying, I know that I'm not going to see you again. You're not going to see me again. There's got to be some serious, heart-wrenching things going on here, right? And and, and really what he's doing is, is this is his goodbye to these guys. And he's leaving them with instructions of this is how you ought to lead the church. This is what you ought to do as leaders of the church. And so he says, I, I know that we're not going to see each other again, but, but here's what I'm leaving you with, and here's what I'm expecting of you, and, and here's what God is expecting of you. And he says in verse 26, he says, Therefore, um, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all of you. Interesting um, comment, right? And I'm not going to see you again, and I want you to know I'm innocent uh, of, of the blood of all of you. And, and, and really to get an idea of what that um, means, turn back in your Bible to Ezekiel chapter 33. In the Old Testament, really big book. If, if you're not familiar with the Old Testament, you can 
find Psalms is pretty much right in the middle and then fan to the right, okay? You won't miss it. It's a big book. Ezekiel 33. In Ezekiel 33, verses 7 through 9, kind of the context of, of what Paul's referring to here, it's uh, what God is saying to Ezekiel. And in verse 7 it says, So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever you hear a word from my mouth, you shall give them warning from me. If I say to the wicked, O wicked one, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn from his way, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. But if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, that person shall die in his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. So what's God saying to Ezekiel here? He says, um, I've made you a watchman over Israel, to look out over Israel. And here's what I'm telling you. If I tell you to say something to the Israelites, even if it's this, I'm going to kill you. Uh, I'm going to slaughter you. If, if it's that and you don't tell them, they're still going to die in their iniquity. It, they're responsible for their sin. Okay, They're still going to die in their iniquity, in, in their iniquity but your blood, their blood is going to be on your hands. And you won't be innocent of that because you didn't do what I told you to do. You didn't tell them what I told you to tell them. You didn't give them the opportunity to respond. And so their blood will be on your hand. He goes on and he says, though, um, but if, I, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, if, if I tell you to warn the wicked people or the wicked person or whatever it may be, uh, and he doesn't turn from his way, then he, again, he's going to die in his iniquity. He's going to be responsible for his own sin. But you will have delivered your soul. So it won't be on you. It'll be on him only. It's kind of what Paul's saying here in, in Acts chapter 20. He says, listen, uh, I'm not going to see you again, but I want you to know that I'm innocent of the blood of all of you. Oh, why? Because of the next verse. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I told you what I was called to do. Well, God and, and Christ had commanded him to go and preach the gospel, to go and make disciples of all nations and, 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 and to teach them everything that Christ had commanded. Does that sound familiar? It's a great commission. It's for all of us. And Paul could stand before them and say, hey, I'm innocent. I'm innocent. If, if, you, if you turn, if, if you don't really believe I told you everything. I, I, I preached to you the whole counsel of God. That's the, that's the entirety of the gospel. I preached that to you. And so I'm innocent. And Paul could, could say to them, listen, my, my blood or your blood is not on me. I'm innocent of your blood because I told you what God told me to tell. Now, let me ask real quick. Have, has anyone ever had um, someone close to them, a friend or, or whatever, um, that, that you had to say goodbye to suddenly. I mean, just like you moved away or they moved away or whatever. And, and you knew like, okay, gosh, they're moving to like somewhere. I'm never going to see them again. You ever had that experience or anyone raise your hand? Yeah. Yeah. I think most of us have. Right. 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 What about, um, what, what about people in your life now that, that, that you think, man, that, that could be coming. Like this person's preparing for, for this trip to go somewhere else or to spend their life on the other side of the world. Um, maybe someone you work with. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a person from the body here, right? We think we all could think of someone from the body here um, that, that's, that's preparing for that, right? 
Maybe it's, maybe it's family, whatever it is. We have people in our life, and, and there's a time, just like with Paul and the elders, where we say goodbye. We may not see them again. And I don't know about you, but I've had a list of people in my life where I couldn't say this. I, I couldn't say with Paul, hey, I'm not going to see you again, but I'm innocent of your blood. I couldn't say that because I didn't tell them everything. There's, there's relationships in my past where I held back. I knew the gospel. I knew what it meant. I knew the Great Commission. I knew. I knew that Jesus said, go and make disciples and teach them everything. Teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. I knew that. And I didn't tell them. And so I couldn't look at that person. I couldn't say to them, I'm innocent of your blood. Maybe, maybe there's people in your life. Maybe there's people in my life that I know, hey, there's... I can see this is going to end. I can see that they're going this direction and I'm going this direction. And they're going to move here and, and, and they're going to have a life here. And I'm probably never going to see them again. If, if you know that, and even if you don't know that, guys, we've got to live so that we can end relationships this way. We've got to live and talk and speak and, and glorify God in a way so that when our relationships on earth end, that we have the confidence to say, I told you everything. I didn't hold back. I told you the whole counsel of God. I didn't hold back the gospel. I was afraid sometimes. I was nervous sometimes. But I didn't hold back from telling the gospel. And I declared it to you. And Paul can say that. I didn't shrink back in any way. I, 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 I always was declaring, pouring out, pouring into you the gospel, the whole counsel of God. Verse 28, it says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. He transitions um, a little bit here where he he moves into this section where um, he starts to talk about some of um, or or a partial list of of some of the uh, responsibilities of, of elders, of overseers. That's what these guys are, the elders. And so now he's instructing them as elders of the church, do this, be this, okay? And so that's where he's getting into here. And the first thing he says, and this is what I want to do, is kind of break apart um, what do elders do and, and why do we have them and why does the Bible tell us to have them and what are their responsibilities, okay? And so really for the rest of this time, I want to focus on that, okay? And this is what this is what Paul says. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. I want to stop there. Um, First thing that that in this passage, elders are called to do uh, as Paul's instructing them is to pay careful attention. He says to two areas, pay careful attention to number one, yourselves, pay careful attention. Um, Another translation for that would be be on guard. Be on guard for yourselves. And secondly, be on guard for the flock. When it talks about that, when it says to be on guard for yourselves or to pay attention uh, to yourselves, it's this idea of of paying spiritual attention. Uh, When someone becomes a pastor, when someone becomes an elder, when someone becomes uh, a leader in the church, they haven't arrived. Uh, It's not this this spiritual arrival where uh, once they become a a pastor or teacher or elder, then they can, okay, good. I don't have to pay attention anymore i hardly even have to read the bible and all you know i can just kind of do whatever i want and then um i'll just help other people because i've arrived at that it's not that at all and that's the first thing that paul says is listen 
Pay attention to yourselves. Be on guard for yourselves. Continue to, to seek the Lord. Continue to grow. Continue to read. Continue to study the Bible. Pray and grow in God. So pay attention to yourself so that first and foremost, you are um, pursuing God. You are growing in God. And the second thing he says is uh, pay, pay careful attention or pay attention to the flock. So just as, as the shepherd watches a flock of sheep, right? You get that picture in the field. You have a shepherd and he's got the, the cool looking staff that he gets to use in different ways. And, and sometimes he gets to jerk the sheep by the neck, right? And sometimes he gets to hit the sheep. Uh, we'll get to all that later, right? Um, but um, you get that picture, right? And, and just as a shepherd is, is kind of looking out over the sheep, right? And he's watching to see if, if any of the sheep are wandering away or if any of the sheep are, are weak or are sick or are hungry or are thirsty or whatever it is. As the shepherd looks out over the sheep and kind of observes to see uh, what they need and where they need to go. In the same way, that's the call of an elder, an elder or a pastor or a shepherd, and that's a good way to think of it, okay, as a shepherd of, of the flock of the church, um, their responsibility first is to be on guard for themselves, second to be on guard for the sheep, for the flock. And so they, they observe and look out over what's going on in the flock and what's needed in the flock. And is there anyone hurting? Is there anyone thirsty or hungry? Is there anyone that's lost? Is there anyone that's just wandering out and not knowing what to do or where to go and is kind of not following the rest of the sheep? And... And, and, and so Paul says, be on guard for the, for the flock, be on guard for the sheep, look out over them and watch carefully, pay careful attention to what's going on with the flock. Next thing he says is, um, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. Kind of the same idea where um, you're made an overseer. And, and just to let you know, um, you'll see a couple words in the New Testament that are interchangeable. Pastor, elder, overseer, all interchangeable words, okay? Um, and so sometimes overseer, that gives us a, a, a different kind of picture of giving oversight, giving leadership, giving guidance, okay? Um, and so you can use those words differently there, okay? But they mean the same thing. It's the same uh, office in the church, the same responsibility in the church. Uh, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, to take care of it, to, to nurture it, and to, um, you know, you think of a, of, of a child, right? Um, where, where sometimes uh, a child is an infant, and it needs milk. It just needs something little, light, right? And that's, that's where the elder would, would know the flock and watch the flock and care for the flock, as it says here. So that if, if there's a need of, of milk, then they give milk. But sometimes um, there's, a, there's a, a different need. Maybe the, the child is bigger and there's a need for meatier food, right? Or maybe there's a need for discipline. Whatever it is, there's, that's the caring for and looking over the flock uh, that, that Paul's talking about here. Um, to care for the church of God, that's still verse 28, which he obtained with his own blood. This is huge, okay? Um, because we're talking about the bride of Christ, the church, the bride of Christ that Christ purchased with his blood, with his life that he gave everything for. And so even in saying that, Paul's putting some weight to this, okay? This is Important. This is not something that we that, that, that is to be done carelessly or, or or mindlessly or or just kind of 
something we just attach to, onto to our, our schedule or what. This, is, this puts our heart into it and, and realizes, man, the people that are being cared for, the people that are being shepherded, the pe- people that are being watched over, they're gods. And, and really one of, the, one of the, the key things for an elder is the understanding that it's stewardship of God's people. Because he bought them, he purchased them, he purchased you with his blood, with his life. Verse 29, he, he goes on, I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. The next, the next uh, thing that he encourages the, the uh, elders uh, with is the idea of guarding the flock. You think of, of a, of a uh, shepherd, right? And... Uh, they have this responsibility kind of walking along with the sheep and the sheep, you know, sometimes follow and sometimes they don't and they get to take them to water and give them water and all this stuff. But there's also another part of being a shepherd, right? Uh, there's wolves. <laughs> there's like mean things out there and, and, and they come and they have a purpose. Sheep are delicious to them, right? Uh, and they want the sheep. They want to eat the sheep. They want to devour the sheep. They want, and, and it's the same picture with the church. And that's what Paul's saying. Listen, I know that when I leave you, there's going to be fierce wolves that come in and they're going to, through false teaching, they're going to try to lead away the sheep. They're going to try to get the sheep to follow them. And, 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 and you've got to be on guard against that. You have to be a ready defense of that. In fact, there's a great verse in, uh, in Titus when it's, when it's talking about eldership there. We're going to go through this whole passage in a moment. But in Titus um, verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 9, it's talking about qualifications for an elder. And it says, He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound, do- in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. It's that, that's that idea of guarding, like Paul's saying, like, to be ready to guard and defend against the wolves that may try to come in and infiltrate with a different doctrine. It may sound good. It may sound like a happy doctrine. It may sound like, well, that's, that's, I mean, it sounds like something that God would be like. That sounds like something that, that and, and so maybe I'll follow that too. Paul says, you've got to fight that. You've got to be able to stand firm the, on the word of God so that you can guard against the false teaching that, it, that he says, I'm sure is going to come in. I'm sure that there's wolves that are going to come and try and infiltrate the body of Christ. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves, he says, will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. And guys, this is, this is um, an urgent thing for Paul. I mean, he knows that, that this is going to happen and, and, and for the elder of the church, as he's instructing them, for the elders of the church, um, what he's saying is this is urgent, an urgent, urgent matter. It, it's urgent that we know God and know the truth about God. In fact, Romans um, chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, it, it says this, my prayer for them or our prayer for them is that they would be saved. In, in the context, I was talking about the Jewish people, okay? It says our prayer for them is that they would be saved for they have a zeal for God. They have this passion for God. They have this love for God. They sing songs really loud, but not according to knowledge. 
And so Paul's saying, listen, be on guard so that those who, who try to come in and, and, and lead away people with a false doctrine that doesn't lead them to God, but leads them, in fact, away from God, you've got to be on guard and you've got to be vicious against it. You've got to be tenacious against it. You've got to be ready to fight against that stuff because it's ultimately important. You may not feel like that sometimes. As you read the Bible, you may not feel like doctrines are important. It's important. It's important. That's why Paul could confidently say, if you don't have knowledge of God, you're not saved. That's why Paul can say that. Because doctrine and knowing the right things about God is important. And so Paul, knowing that, says, man, as the elders, you've got to be ready to fight for that. You've got to be ready to be defensive against that. It goes on in, in uh, the last part of it says, in verse 31, it says, Therefore, be alert. Uh, since there's going to be wolves that try to come in and, and lead people away, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. That word admonish um, is an idea of warning the flock, giving counsel with a warning uh, involved. And so that's another part of, of eldership is, is admonishing, warning, counseling through warning. Like what I just did with, with Romans 10 verses 1 and 2. It's that kind of a thing where it's with giving that stern instruction of, listen, um, sometimes we may not like it, but the Bible is truth and we've got to be devoted to it. We've got to be devoted to doctrine. We've got to be devoted to the things that God teaches I want, to, I want to move ahead and, and, uh, to another passage because there's another great passage that kind of um, adds to this list. 1 Peter chapter 5. Um, 1 Peter chapter 5. Just a few verses, actually. But this is Peter writing uh, to the church and, and exhorting the elders um, there at the church. And he gives some other things I want to add on to this because I think they're important. As we look at... Um, what does it mean to be an elder? What is, what's the responsibilities of an elder? What does biblical eldership look like? Chapter 5, verses 1 through 3 say, um, So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. And here's a little list. Shepherd the flock of God. It's that picture again of, of a shepherd and a sheep. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you. And listen to this. Exercising oversight. So giving leadership, giving direction, giving vision. Um, to the church, exercising oversight, but look, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. I think back um, to Acts chapter 20, where, where Paul says, man, remember that I admonished you for three years with tears, day and night, day and night with tears. That's willingly. Um, that's not doing it because you feel... Um, like you just had to or you just have to. That's willingly admonishing, willingly leading, willing, willingly shepherding. And Peter says that's important. He says, uh, don't be an elder because you're old, okay? Um, the age is right or what. No, he doesn't say that. He says, don't do it under compulsion. Don't do it uh, merely out of obligation, okay? But do it willingly as God would have you, not for shameful gain but eagerly elders are, are, are called not to um, not to fulfill that position to to put them at another level it's not um, man I want to be an elder because then man 
oh, I've arrived. I can, I can finally say I've made it to the top church notch. And like, oh, and then I can, it's, like, it's not for gain on yourself. It's not for shameful gain. But eagerly, longingly. Why? Because you want to shepherd the flock. You want to care for the flock. You want to give direction to, to who? Those who were purchased by Christ. Not domineering over those in your charge. It's not a position where, where the elders get to, to sit in front of the people and say, this is what we say and this is what you'll do and then iron my shirt. And, and you know, all, it's, it's, it's not a domineering position. It's, it's, it's giving oversight and shepherding and caring and loving and, and doing it willingly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock, leading by your life, not just by your words. I want to um, do something this morning, look at two passages in the process of it, okay? I'm just going to read these passages. I'm not going to go uh, in a lot of detail. But there's two passages in, in the Bible um, you may have read before, and, and, and most of you probably have. Um, but there's two passages, thankfully, in Scripture that give us qualifications for an elder or overseer, okay? Uh, the first one's in 1 Timothy chapter 3. So there's instructions for overseers, but there's also the Bible gives us qualifications. Um, what's expected uh, in the character or person of those that are going to be overseers or elders. First Timothy uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7 is the first passage that talks about that. It says this, The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. It's a good thing. If someone desires um, to be an overseer, um, that's a good thing. They, they ought to aspire to that. They ought to have that desire and heart to, to, to be one who's shepherding and leading and caring for the flock of God. Therefore, um, verse 2, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Turn a couple pages over to Titus. Titus chapter 1, starting with verse 5. It says, This is why I left you in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination, for an overseer as God's steward must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. 
He must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. So we have these two passages and and it gives us this list of qualifications, which is a wonderful thing. It gives us guidance. It gives us direction of of how we choose elders. It's how we um, know who uh, is qualified, right, to be an elder in the church. And so um, he gives us this list and and uh, what I want to do this morning is, is uh, in kind of wrapping up the sermon, um, I'm going to have Michael come up. Michael Gilbert. Stand right there so you're not taller than me. Um, just kidding. There you go. Yeah, come right there. Come right there. That's good. I'll move this. Um, uh, today, um, we're, we're, we're kind of introducing Michael as an elder of the church here at Cornerstone. Really excited about this. Um, as I read through those two passages, 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, uh, I genuinely think of Michael, without a doubt. I, um, there's nothing as I read through that that cautions me, that that goes up in my mind that thinks, man, this, you know, what about this? What about this? I mean that. Um, I, I love this guy and I trust this guy and, and I'm so thankful for um, his leadership in my life, encouragement in my life, and 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 excited for what that's going to look like for the church. And so this morning, um, I want to introduce him to you. But there's also something I want to do. Um, for you, for both of us, uh, those lists are from God. Uh, and for me and for him both, as, as elders of this church, they're from God, not things that we just made up and, okay, I'm, Michael, you're this, and I'm this. And, okay, this will look good. And, and, and uh, they're from God. And if we are not qualified, either of us, uh, you need to bring that to our attention, both of our attention. And, and uh, biblically, we want to honor God through that. We want to be biblical through that. And so um, I want to I let you know that, that as a church, we, we don't, um, we're not a voting church, okay? We don't, we don't put that before you. That's, that's the elder's uh, role. And, and, but uh, we are a church that, that obeys the Bible. And so if we're not qualified for that, then you need to bring that to our attention. And, and if it's just a question of, hey, what about this? What about this? Come to us and talk to us about it, okay? Because uh, we want you to know that biblically we, we're trying to follow completely God's word there, okay? But here's what I want to do um, for Michael, and I and, uh, just want to spend some time praying for him. And, and I have prayed for him, but here's what I want from you guys. I would love to just take a minute, and for a few of you, just where you're at, stand up uh, and just pray for Michael um, pray for both of us as we lead the church, that we will lead it. As, as, as I look through the passage that we preach through in, in Acts 20, it's, it's an awesome responsibility, and I'm so grateful for it. I, I, I tell you, honestly, there's, there is, I, I love, love pastoring this church, and, and there is no season of my life um, that I have loved more in ministry than this right now. I love it, and uh and so just love for you to pray for Michael as, as he's going to be uh, leading uh, and, and the two of us are going to be leading together. Just take a few minutes and, and would ask you just to pray for him where you're, where you're at. You can stand up so everyone can hear you. Uh, and then I'll close in just a minute.